Hello, Real Life family and friends. And if you're visiting with us today, I'm Tim Hobson, pastor here at Real Life in Montrose. And I'm just glad to be with you today to just continue to grow as a disciple of Jesus. And we're in a series called The Church of the Last Days. And we're just looking at what is the church to be doing in the last days? And Jesus actually had some things to share with us about that. So we started last week uh, looking at um, a parable in Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus talks about the signs of the end times or the signs of the last days. And when you look at that chapter and some other teachings of Jesus, I think Luke chapter 21 also touches on some of these things. There are three big challenges that the church will face in the last days. And if I was to summarize those three challenges, I would say, number one, it would be deception. Okay, Matthew 24, 24 says, For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So there's going to be great, uh, a, a great deception that's taking place in the last days where our faith will be tested. Will we truly know Christ? Will we still be faithful to him and to his word? Or will we fall prey to deceiving prophets, to de deception of the enemy and fall away from Jesus? OK, so that's going to be the big, a big challenge. Number two, distress. Just distress. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 7 to 8 says, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of birth pains. Just the beginning. And so our earth, our world is going to be shaken. We already see the signs because we're already living in the last days. The last days, by the way, is the time period from the coming of Jesus when he was born to the return of Jesus, which is yet to come. So even though that's been already 2,000 years, we are still in a period of what the Bible calls the last days. So we're in the last days. Now, we might be in the last of the last days. We're not sure, but the signs are here. We see we see these wars. We see rumors of wars. We see the increase of evil. We see people's hearts growing cold and uh, the love of most growing cold. Uh, we see continual natural disasters all over our planet. And Jesus said there's going to be great distress. And it's like birth pains. They will grow in intensity, right, until the moment comes. And so we're going to see an increase of intensity and an increase of frequency. So frequency and intensity of the distress in this world. Because the Bible says that what can be shaken will be shaken. So that what can't be shaken will remain. What can't be shaken is God's eternal truth, is your relationship with Christ. That is what we want, is an unshakable faith, as I talked about a couple weeks ago. But everything else that we're building our life on that is not built on Jesus, not built on God's truth, will be shaken and it will fall apart. It will. So great distress. And thirdly, persecution. The third biggest challenge the church will face in the last days is persecution. We have deception, we have distress, and we will have persecution. Now, in this world... Uh, we are beginning to see some persecution taking place in our culture here in America. But around this world, the church has been persecuted for 2,000 years. I mean, it's going on right now today. People are losing their lives. People are being imprisoned. People are losing privileges because they are followers of Jesus Christ. And that will continue. 
until Jesus comes again. Matthew 24, verses 9 to 10 says, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And so what is to protect us against giving up in the midst of persecution? What's to protect us from being deceived by the different uh, false prophets and things that will take place? What's to protect us from giving into the distress of our world and just crumbling and falling apart? It is, as I mentioned last week, the first parable we talked about, the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25. It is having a current spirit-filled relationship with Jesus. Okay, this is why that first parable is so important, because the oil in the lamps is the spirit of God inside of us. We need to have a real relationship with Jesus. Okay, so here's how it works. The relationship with Jesus and the spirit led life will keep you from being deceived. John 16, 13, Jesus says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, so the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. So the Spirit in us will protect us from falling prey to deceiving spirits outside of us. All right, so you need to have a real relationship with Christ so that you can discern what is actually true. And the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And he will protect you from falling into deception. Secondly, um, this relationship with Jesus and a spirit-filled life, right, gives you peace during times of distress. Jesus said in John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. But take heart, be encouraged, I have overcome the world. And so this real relationship with Jesus, this current communication with, with him through the spirit encourages us and continues to feed us peace even in the midst of great distress and turmoil and storms. And that's what we need. And finally, the strength of the spirit in us strengthens us in the midst of persecution. Matthew 10, 19 to 20, Jesus said this, when they arrest you, do not worry what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And what Jesus is saying is, I will be with you. My spirit will be with you. Even in the midst of persecution, don't worry, don't be troubled. I will be with you. I will encourage you. I will strengthen you. I will even give you what to say. And in the midst of that, as I mentioned last week, even to the point of persecution that ends in our death, Jesus assures us that we are losing nothing because we have nothing here in the temporary that we are to be holding on to. We go straight into eternity with him and we have no spiritual loss when this physical life is taken from us. And so that is our hope and that is our faith and that's what will keep us strong in the midst of persecution, knowing that we have an eternity in heaven, that we are not losing anything when we lose our life. We are gaining everything. That is the perspective, a biblical perspective of a Christ following disciple filled with the Spirit of God. There is a courage, there is a conviction through this relationship that we have with Jesus that keeps us strong even in the midst of persecution, okay? So last week when we talked about that first parable of the virgins, uh, the review would be what does Jesus mean to be ready or to keep watch? And we learned last week that this is about having a real, current, vibrant relationship with Jesus 
and being filled with his spirit. Right? Matthew um, 24, uh, 44 says, You will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will be betrayed and hate each other. But Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And when we look at the parable of the ten virgins, the, the main point was Jesus says to those who didn't have the oil, I don't know you. I don't know you. But here in John, Jesus says, my sheep know me and I know them. They know my voice. We have a relationship. And so it's all about knowing Jesus and having a real relationship with him. And, and that's what it means to be ready or to keep watch is to be current in your relationship with Jesus. So today I want to look at the second parable of three that Jesus is teaching the church. This is what you are to be focused on in the last days. First of all, focus on having a real, authentic, lively, daily relationship with Jesus and be filled with my spirit. You're going to need all of that, right, to make it through these last days, to be, a victor, uh, to be victorious in these last days. So that's the first one. The second parable is the parable of the talents, and it's in verses 14 to 30 of Matthew 25. So let me read it for you, okay? Matthew chapter 25, here we go. Uh, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. Again, what Jesus is saying in verse 1 of chapter 25, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like... All right. So now the next parable, Jesus would have said the same thing. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like in the last days. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. Notice the word entrusted. He didn't give. He entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money to another two talents, and to another one talent. Some translations say bags of gold. Okay, so he gave five bags of gold to one, uh, two bags of gold to another, one bag of gold to the third. Each according to his ability. So the master, or God in this instance, right, did not give equal amounts to everybody, but he did give some to everybody, and he gave the same responsibility, though. It says, then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once, put his money to work, and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come share in your master's happiness. That's what we all want to hear, right? That's what we want to hear when our race is, is finished. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come on, enjoy your master's happiness. All right, so the man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrust me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. And he said the same thing to him. In verse 24, then the man who received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. As he's knocking the dust off the bag, you know. 
And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Now, wicked in the Bible means that you, uh, it's the opposite of righteous. It means you are off the path. You're off the path, right? So he's saying you have been off the path and lazy uh, is pretty self-explanatory. Wicked, lazy servant. You did not do what I told you to do, basically, right? When you're off the path, when you're not righteous, you're wicked. God's saying you did not follow my instructions and you're lazy. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Come back to that word interest in a minute. Take the talent from him. Give it to the one who has the 10 talents for everyone. And here's the main point of this of this story. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what is Jesus saying here? And what can we learn about our role as a church and as a Christian in these last days? This is what I want to get to. And by the way, this series about the last days, uh, I think it probably is obvious at this point. I am not focusing on the actual events of what's going to happen in the last days in this series. What we're focusing on is what does the church do in the last days? What, how do we live life in the last days? What are we, our responsibilities in these last days times, okay? So number one is to have this awesome, vibrant relationship with Jesus and be filled with this Holy Spirit. In this parable, we see the key is uh, not just to be ready, but that also means to be faithful. So we are not passively waiting for Jesus to return. We're not just, um, you know, buying time or trying to survive until he comes. There is a work to do. There is a task at hand and there is a faithfulness that God is requiring of us that really matters, really matters. So number one, I want to make two main points. Number one, God is entrusting to us. He entrusts for a purpose to us. God is the master in this story who's entrusting to us his resources for a period of time until Jesus returns, right? for the advancement of his purposes. God has purposes. He has a purpose. And notice that God is entrusting. He's not giving us his resources. So we are stewards of everything that God has entrusted to us. We are not owners. And let's just be real broad about this. My life does not belong to me. It has been entrusted to me. God has put his breath into me. He has entrusted his breath into you. For a purpose, your life does not belong to you. You are a steward of the breath that God has put inside of you. That is a sobering reality. It brings great meaning and significance to every single day that you are alive. Because God has put himself into you. Your life is not your own. It's not your life, your time, your money, your energy, your personality, your abilities. No, 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 no. Everything, the very breath that you are breathing has been given or entrusted to you for a purpose, for a purpose. And so we are stewards, not owners. And notice that God has not given equally to everyone, but everyone has been equally given the same purpose. So it's not what you have. It is what you are doing with what you have that's important. God determines, you know, our makeup. 
He's determined our personality. He has determined our family. He has determined uh, the time that we were born, the place that we were born, the parents that we had. We had no choices over any of that. God has entrusted to us and given to each of us something, a life, with certain context, right? With certain personalities and certain um, uh, uh, cultural things around us. And we have these opportunities. We have different opportunities. But God has given all of this to us or entrusted all of those things to us, is a better way to say it, for His glory, for His purposes to be played out in our lives. Number two, God commissions us. He has an expectation. He has a command that we multiply what He has entrusted to us. We see it very clearly in this parable. So I'm going to really challenge you today to look at your life and to see if you are being faithful to multiply and be fruitful as God has commanded us. So this goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. This is where we find our created purpose. Your purpose, my purpose, we share the same purpose. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 to 28 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, here's the commission from God to you, be fruitful and multiply. goes on to say, and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. But the basic idea is this, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply the image of God on the earth. God has put his image on you. He has put his breath and his spirit on you in you so that you would multiply his image, his love, his goodness, his mercy, his character, his kingdom on the earth. That's your purpose. That is your purpose, to be fruitful and to multiply God's image on the earth. Our work is our worship. Let me talk about work for a minute. Work is not what we do to make money in order to pay the bills, in order to survive. That is not your purpose in life. Your, your purpose is much bigger than that. Work is actually given to us by God, and it is what we get to do with what God has entrusted us with in order to advance His kingdom on the earth. So let me say that again. Work is a blessing. It is what God has given us to do with what we have been entrusted with in order to advance the kingdom of God on the earth, his image. So work is worship. Work is not unto man. It is not unto myself. It is not for my own uh, advancement or uh, for my own glory uh, or for my own security or for my own pleasure or for my own survival. Work is worship. It is part of the calling that God has on our lives. And if your work is only about money, then you need to, you need to reshuffle some things so that your work is worship, that you are advancing God's image on the earth. You have callings, you have passions, you have purposes that God has put inside of you that is a part of his purpose that he wants to see done on this earth. And so an example, right? Many of you know I'm a cross-country coach and a track and, and field coach. And coaching to me is a holy activity. I recognize that God has given me, given me these passions and desires. And this is part of my purpose and part of my worship to God is 
to influence in a positive way the students, the athletes, and even their parents and family members when I get a chance in, through my, my uh, outreach of coaching. And I see it as holy. I, I don't see it as just coaching or something I have to do or something that I enjoy doing, but it, it's holy. It has the possibilities of affecting people's lives forever. And that's part of the gifting God has given me. It's a privilege that I have to influence students and, and some of their family members through the means of coaching. I see my home as holy. It is a part of the little square inch of this earth that God has entrusted to me to take care of and also to use to help meet the needs of my family and to use as God sees fit to advance his kingdom on the earth. So my home is holy. Your home is holy. Now I want to be a good steward of my home. I want my home to be well well taken care of, right? Because God has entrusted it to me. So I want to multiply it. I want to, I want to take good care of it. Um, my money, it's not really my money, but my money, my resources is holy. Holy means it's separated for a holy purpose. It's separated for a purpose of God. It's not mine. It's not common. It's not just uh, ordinary. It, my money, my time, my energy, my life, your time, your energy, your resources are holy. They have a sacred purpose. We all, all of this stuff is God's. And it all has a sacred purpose to advance the image of God on the earth, which ultimately looks like a saved soul, a redeemed soul, a person who comes into a relationship with Jesus Christ and they are saved for all eternity. That's ultimately what the image of God looks like as it's being multiplied on the earth, okay? And so my money it has been entrusted to me to be used as God directs, right? For my physical family, for my spiritual family, uh, for whatever God directs me to do with. Uh, and I try to multiply it as God directs me so I'm a good steward of God's resources. So 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 11 kind of help me frame, give me the framework of how to understand money, okay? So it's a real, really good verse for you to think about, meditate on. It says, now he, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that, everybody say so that, so that there's a purpose to our blessing. I always say this, we are blessed to be a blessing. And the Bible says you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. There's three things I want to pull out of this verse real quick, because this isn't really my main point. It's just a bonus category here for this morning. Um, number one, there are some of the, the seed that God blesses us with is for bread for food, right? That is stuff that we actually use and consume. So some of my resources are for me to use. For me, for my family, for my friends, some of the blessing of God is for me to actually use. Bread for food. Other parts of what I have is what God has given me to sow. It says, he who supplies seed to the sower. So some of what God blesses me with, some of my resources, my time, my energy, my money, right, is for me to actually give or invest into other people. Sow seed, help other people, help the church, move forward the advancement of the kingdom of God. So I am not to be using or eating all of my seed. Some of my seed is for me to eat, some of my seed is for me to give, 
right? And then also some of my seed is to be stored up. It says here, he who supplies seed to the sower, that's, that's stuff to give away, and bread for food, that's stuff to use, will also supply and increase your store of seed, your savings. You should be saving and storing your seed, trying to multiply your seed for future use that God will direct you in. So here's three things, real simple. You, your resources and what you are as a steward of God's resources are, th- are for three things. One, for you to be used. Two, for you to give. And three, for you to save and grow. Okay? But most Americans, at least, only do the first one. They just use. They eat everything. They consume everything they get. In fact, the stats say that Americans, the average American, I think, spends over 100% of what they make. In other words, they're in debt, right? We're using, 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 consuming, 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 and, we're th- and then we have nothing to give, and we have nothing that we are storing up and growing. And God wants you to multiply and be fruitful. That includes your resources for the kingdom's sake, right? So Proverbs 13, 22, this is just what I believe. Uh, when you leave this earth, you should be leaving something behind, okay? Proverbs 13, 22 says, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. That means you take care of your children and you have more than enough so that your grandchildren are blessed. When you leave this earth, you should be leaving an inheritance to your family, a legacy. You should not be leaving a debt. You should be living, leaving a surplus. Can I get an amen from somebody? That's what the Bible says. We should be using some of our seed, giving some of our seed, and storing and growing some of our seed. Okay? Now, Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. All right? So if you're wise, you are storing up your saving. If you're a fool, you're just eating everything that you get. You're eating all your seed. And then God can't use you. God's, again, this is not yours to eat. Some of it is yours to eat. But some of it has been entrusted to you to give, as God tells you to give. And some of it is for you to store and grow so that you can give more. Right? So God says, I want to richly bless you so that you will be the blessing. So you can be generous on every occasion. So a lot of us are used to, too used to, consuming everything that comes our way. And that is wicked. I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm just saying it's off course. That is not God's purpose for your life, to be a consumer, to eat all of your seed. That's even worse than the, than the guy in the parable who gave back to God what he was given. At least he didn't use it all up. But some of us, we're just using everything up and there's nothing left to give. There's no, there's no surplus. There's no overflow because we're not following God's guidelines for our life. So that's my challenge. I know this is, a, this is a pretty serious message today. Some things that you really need to think about. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. All right? So we do not work for bread. Uh, we work for God and God provides the bread. God provides the seed to sow, and God provides the seed to store. And we are His, our entire life, our being, our energy, our breath, everything that we have is from Him, and there's a purpose to steward His kingdom on the earth, to multiply His image on the earth. Your life loses its purpose and meaning 
outside of being fruitful and multiplying God's image. I want to say this uh, several different ways so it sinks in. Your purpose in life is not to survive. It's not just to make it. It's not just to make it, you know, get the bills paid. Your purpose in life is not to survive, but it is to be fruitful and multiply the image of God. It's actually the opposite of trying to survive. It's giving your life away. And most of us are trying to preserve our life. But the gospel tells us that's not your purpose. Your purpose is to actually give your life. Give your life away. So in Matthew chapter 25, verse 27, I said I was going to come back to this word interest. Very interesting. This is what the verse says again. Well then, Jesus is talking to, or uh, God the master is talking to this wicked, lazy servant. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Interest. This word interest, um, uh, the word in Greek used for interest comes from the concept of offspring. And it has this meaning that when you get interest from money, you're getting offspring from that money. That money has multiplied and now it's produced something called offspring. So when you invest money, you get back interest. But when you invest a life, you get back offspring. This is how we procreate as well. When a seed is given, right? When a seed is planted, then life is born. Then there's conception. But there has to be a giving away. There has to be a planting of a seed. And that's how life itself begins for us. That's how we have children and have families. Because there is something that is given. Our life is given. A seed is given. And then it's conceived. And it, and it grows. Your life is a seed. Every day, every moment, every resource, every conversation, every word is a seed. We are planting. We are investing. We are giving our life away. One seed at a time. One, one little gift of money, a gift of attention, a gift of prayer, a, a helping hand, a concerned you know, uh, conversation, um, a service, a uh, Anything that we're doing, we are giving our life away. We are planting our life. We're giving that away. And it will grow into other life. It will multiply and be fruitful. That's what Christ is talking about. So God has entrusted to us a life, energy, personality, passions, abilities, skills, opportunities, people within our influence. And he's calling us to take what he has given us and plant it, invest it, into those people, opportunities, and organizations around us that will multiply His image, that will build up the kingdom of God on the earth, which ultimately is the salvation of souls. Okay? He gave you a life in order to use it to be fruitful. He gave you a life in order to multiply His image on the earth. And the main point of this parable is faithfulness, to use your life for the advancement of the gospel, winning and discipling souls. This is the main point of this, of this parable. So let's go all the way back here real quick, do a real quick recap. Jesus is talking about the last days. He gives us three parables in Matthew chapter 25. The first parable is all about having a real relationship with him, knowing him and being filled with his spirit. That's what we are to be doing right now. Knowing Jesus, having a daily interaction with Him, growing in our relationship with Him, growing in the ability to lead, uh, to be led by the Spirit of God, okay? Number two, in this parable, 
He says, what, he says to the church, what should you be doing? Should you just be waiting passively for me? No, I gave you a life to invest. You should be faithfully serving the purpose of God with your life. You should be faithfully giving your life away. You should be building the kingdom. We're not just waiting for Jesus to return passively. We're not afraid. We're not hiding. We should be giving. We should be blessing. We should be making a difference in people's lives around us for the glory of God. When Jesus returns, he wants to find you and I faithfully living out the purpose he's called us to. That's what he's looking for when he comes. That's why he's given us these instructions in this parable. So this is what, uh, this is what the main point of the, of the chapter says. Matthew ch chapter 25, verse 29 of this story. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. In other words, if you are not using what God has entrusted to you for his purposes, you will lose it. That's what he's saying. In other parts of the scriptures, he talks about trees that are not bearing fruit. And he says this in Matthew 7, 19, every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. God has given, entrusted to you a life and he expects you to live that life purpose out for him, to be fruitful and to multiply. It's very clear that we have this incredible, not just responsibility, but privilege to partner with God on the earth with what is already his and enjoy the incredible journey of watching him multiply that through our worship of him, which is our work. It's what God has equipped us to do. In fact, Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 10 says, We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared, prepared in advance for us to do. And so this is, this is what we are made for. We were crafted for. And we come alive when we're in alignment with God's purposes for our lives. So faithful, to be faithful is to live out your God-given purpose. Being a steward of what God has given you to do to advance his kingdom on the earth. If your energy, your time, your money, your resources are all about you. If you're consuming your own life for your own sake. You are living out the wrong purpose for your life. You're missing the mark. You are a wicked, lazy servant in Jesus' eyes. You're, you're missing it. You're not doing it right. Self-preservation and self-pleasure is not your purpose. That's not what you were made for. That's not what I was made for. I was made to invest my life into other people. John chapter 12, verse 24 to 25, Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It remains only a single seed. He's talking about his life, and we can also see this as God's view for our life. If you are that wheat of seed, and you just remain that, that one single wheat, right? That's all you get, one seed. But if it is planted and it dies, Jesus says, but if it dies, it produces many seeds, Okay, and then Jesus says this, and that's what he's about to do. He was about to give his life, plant his life, die for you and for me. And when he did that, life multiplied into you and to me and to millions and millions of others from that act of sacrifice. Jesus gave his life. He planted it. He died 
but it burst forth in life into you and into me and to so many others. And God's calling you and I to do the exact same thing. We're not going to hang on a cross. Uh, we're not going to be uh, betrayed, you know, by disciples and ridiculed and, and mocked and stripped and beaten. That's not going to happen. How, you know, I doubt that'll happen to anybody, right? But we give our life away one moment at a time. We are investing it in everything else that we are doing to love people, to, to, to help people. And so he says this, anyone who loves their life will lose it. If you're interested in self-preservation and self-pleasure, you're missing it. You're going to lose the whole thing, right? That's what Jesus is saying in this parable here. You're, you'll lose it if you're not using it, right? The right way. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And he's not saying you should hate yourself. He's saying in comparison to the purpose that God has for your life, you should, you should not be preserving it. You should be giving it away. You should Hate it in the sense that you're not trying to keep it and protect it. You see the purpose of your life is to give it away. There's a missionary that was killed by the Aka Indians in Ecuador many years ago. His name was Jim Elliott. You may have heard of him. He's famous for this quote, which I love. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. And he's talking about our life. We can't keep it. But we try. So many people are trying to preserve their life, trying to make something of their life, trying to build castles here on earth, trying to create stockpiles of self-preserving things for themselves on earth. We're trying to keep what we can't keep. But Jim Elliott says, man, you're not a fool if you realize you can't keep that. But if I give it away, I will gain eternal life and nobody can take that away from me. Do you see? It's just so powerful. So Matthew chapter 24 uh, verses 45 to 47, Jesus says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant? Are you faithful? Are you wise? Whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Jesus is coming. When he comes, he wants to see you and I doing what he has called us to do. We have a sacred work to do, the saving of souls. We are partnering with God to be a part of the greatest miracle in humanity, the salvation of souls. Everything that we do, every day that we wake up, we have another seed to plant. We have more opportunities to give ourselves away. And this is what the, the gospel is calling us to. Proverbs 11.30, I think I mentioned this last week. He who is wise wins souls. And when you save a soul, you transform the society, right? When people begin to get transformed in Christ, then the culture begins to change too. If you're all fired up about, you know, all the crazy stuff going on in our culture, then get busy preaching the gospel and letting souls come to Jesus and get transformed. Because when the hearts are transformed, the culture is transformed. Can I get an amen from somebody? The greatest thing we can do is not hold a picket sign, but preach the word of God. Love people. Get the good news out because that's the only power that can change a life. That's the only thing that will, will, will change us. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God to save. 
It is the only thing that saves us, is the gospel, the good news of God's saving grace for each and every one of us who will call on his name. Every day, you are called to steward your life, your time, your energy, your opportunities, your resources, to be fruitful and to multiply the image of God on the earth. This is building his kingdom. This is seeing that all you do is holy because you have a sacred calling. This brings great significance to our work and all of our activities, to every conversation we have with another person, because we are the mobile homes of God's presence on the earth. Everywhere we go, God's presence goes with us. So to summarize, first of all, to be ready means to have a daily current relationship with Jesus and filled with the Spirit. And today we talked about being ready means not to passively wait for Jesus to come, to, but to be actively living out faithfully our calling to multiply and be fruitful on the earth with what God has called us to do. I want to hear these words. I know you want to hear these words. Matthew 25, 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share uh, in your master's happiness. I want to hear those words. You want to hear those words. And it's through faithfulness that we will hear those words, okay? So Luke 17, 20 to 21, I'll close with this. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. And when the kingdom of God, the seed of the kingdom of God, is planted in another person's heart and they're saved, that is everything. That is everything. That is what we are doing. We're planting our lives into those around us that they may know Jesus, they may know God, they may be saved and forgiven and transformed forever. So the last thing I want to say is a question I have for you. Are you trying to save your life or are you investing your life? Do not waste your life like a hamster on a wheel, just spinning the wheel as fast as you can, trying to preserve yourself, trying to find pleasure, trying to make everything about you. That is the wrong purpose for your life. Your purpose is to die, is to actually surrender, is to give it and invest it into other people that you will multiply and you'll be fruitful when you do that. So may the church arise. May we be ready. May we keep watch. May we be filled with the Spirit of God. May we know Jesus and have this dynamic relationship with Him. And may everything that we do be filled with that holy purpose. And when we go to work or we're coaching or we're at home or we're in the grocery store, wherever we are, when we're on the phone, we feel the anointing of God, the presence of God, the Spirit of God moving upon us to invest that energy, to invest that time, to invest that love that will change a life, touch a heart, preaching the gospel through love, through, through care, through, through our time, through our energy. And may God get all the glory and may many people come to know Jesus through your life. And may the image of God be multiplied on the earth through you. Amen. Amen. Hey, before I close, I just want to pray for anyone who's watching that needs a relationship with Jesus. If you need a relationship with Jesus, I invite you to pray this prayer with me in your heart and get saved today because he loves you and he's for you. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So call on Jesus right now with me if this is you, okay? Say, Jesus, I need you. I come to you to be saved, to be forgiven of my sins, 
And I thank you that you love me and you came to die for me and God raised you from the dead, validating that your sacrifice was valid for my soul and my forgiveness. Today I declare with my mouth, Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Savior and I'm all yours. Forgive me of all my sin and fill me with your spirit so I had the power to live this new life in you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, welcome to the family of God if you just prayed that prayer. And I want to encourage you to just keep watching, keep growing, get connected to our church or to another church that you can go to. Begin to read the Bible, begin to collect some Christian friends around you so you can become a great disciple of Jesus Christ. And for the real life family, I just got a couple announcements I wanted to finish with before I bless you, okay? First of all, this coming week, our Celebrate Recovery is returning on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. This is a recovery uh, ministry for anybody who's struggling with any hurts, hang-ups, or habits that are destructive in their life. And uh, we can, you can come at 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights and just get some great fellowship and great encouragement and seek freedom in Jesus' name. Uh, secondly, I want to announce that we're also starting to do some life groups. And if you'd like to be a life group host, we're looking to just do four weeks of gathering together, not really a Bible study format, just a fellowship format. And if you're willing to be a life group host, we're looking for people who just literally host people into their home, um, then please let us know. Give us a call and let us know that you'd be willing to be a life group host. Starting the week of October 24th, we want to have four weeks where we just meet together and just reconnect, just kind of build up some relationships, just get to know each other and encourage each other for four weeks. So if you're willing to open up your home, there's three things I'm asking our host to do. Open up our home, invite people to come, and then provide a snack, okay? So just open up your home to people, invite people to come, it can be family members, church members, co-workers, neighbors, just invite people over. We're just trying to reconnect and just build up our relationships, okay? So open your home, invite some people, and provide a snack, and next week, have someone else bring the snack, okay? So I hope that you're willing to do that. Let us know if you are. We already have several that have identified themselves as willing to be hosts, and we're going to have some more coming up this week as well. Then we'll get that information out to everybody, and if you want to just get some friendship and some connection, we'll have all kinds of options for you. And lastly, as we continue to uh, pursue our vision campaign as we are hoping to be able to finish that by the end of the year. We have a cool idea. We don't know all the details yet, but we're going to be having an auction uh, later in a couple of months, uh, I think the first week in December, and we're going to be having fun to raise some more money to just finish our vision campaign. If you'd like to make a gift to our vision campaign, just write vision or let us know. Um, we're looking to finish that off, and we're, we're down to only $48,000 left in our huge uh, step one um, process. But our auction is going to be really fun. So if you have something to donate, if you have tickets for something, or you have some uh, services, or if you know a business that would be willing to offer up uh, whatever they offer for auction, um, let us know. We're going to start getting details together for that. It's going to be a really a fun night for all of us. But I want to bless you now uh, in closing, and thanks for watching today. But may, may the blessing of God just be real and strong upon you and your family today and throughout this week. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace in His name. May your life be fruitful 
May you multiply the image of God this week in all that you do and be a faithful servant to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.